So it isn't this like, you know, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and whatever quantities throw health and all of this to the wind. Um, it's like, let's, let's provide an education that isn't so restrictive and help you learn how to feel your feelings while you do it. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My been best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Angelo Kelly. On this episode, I am joined by Emily Wagner for round two. Emily was first on the podcast in April of 2021. She was one of our top five guests of the year. And after I posted that to let her know, she reached out and just said how much differently she thinks about food, training, life in general since then, and wanted to come back on, have another conversation. I'm always excited when people come back on for the second time because I feel like that pressure to interview them or ask the right question, say the right thing kind of just goes away and we can have a genuine conversation. So that's what this one is. And I hope you guys really like it. I keep coming back to this idea and I was just having this conversation at the gym of like, like imagine having kids right now. That's what gets me of like, the ambiguity of like, are they going to school? Are they not? Do you have to navigate your job schedule around them? Maybe or maybe not going to school. And like, I just could not imagine. Like the uncertainty of all of that sounds incredibly overwhelming. And of course, like that I have not mom friends because, you know, it's a very different age group, but like, like gym members who are moms and are just like so burnt out on all of this because they're, you know, leaving their jobs to now be a stay-at-home mom or, you know, having to navigate that whole thing. And it is insane. The collective like burnout that's happening on, on everyone. I don't know. It's like 24 seven existential crisis. (laughs) How do you fix that? Like, what do you do? What do you do if you're, I mean, you don't get a summer break anymore. Like when you're, when you're older, you don't have, you can't make that choice to be like, all right, I'm going to chill for the next two months. Like, how do we, how do we get out of that burnout? This is such a big question. I'm staying in school (laughs) for my entire life. (laughs) Oh gosh. I, I almost feel like I can't even speak to it. Like the, the nine to five, you know, 50 weeks out of the year kind of thing. Like, especially if you're someone who works in front of a computer and like just sits all day or like now that maybe that wasn't your job before, but now you're working from home and it is. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's why we're having, you know, a mental health care provider shortage because how do you navigate that? Like what, what do you do? Um, and I think you and I are very similar where we're very like ritualistic people where like we really use those rituals to anchor ourselves into like the morning and the evening. And like, I was reading your thing this morning about like going for a walk in the morning is really hard when it's cold. Like, yeah, it is. And then what happens is you don't do that. And then your morning becomes this like ambiguous, what do I do kind of thing. And then you start scrolling 
And it's just like this spiral into your day of like, oh, well, now it's 5 p.m. and I've done nothing but like scroll Instagram and like stare at emails. And now I'm a miserable human being and I'm going to go fight with my girlfriend. Like it's, it's crazy. It's so, and you really do need like a professional to walk you through that of like, here are the things that you can do to like maintain your mental health while everything is on fire. <laughs> I found I'm, I'm very disciplined in the morning and at night. So an hour before um, going to bed and like an hour in the morning, I'm super disciplined. I don't look at my phone. I'm not distracted. I'm reading. I'm walking. Just doing stuff that makes me feel good. But it's like those middle hours, I'm terrible. I'm scrolling. I'm looking at the news. I'm just all over the place, scatterbrained. And I think it's because we have so many different inputs like I can go mm -hmm. if I'm working and I'm bored, I can listen to a podcast. I can go on YouTube and it's it's so easy to access that there's nothing stopping you. No one's going to like side eye you from the other side of the office of like, mm -hmm. why are you scrolling Amazon right now? <laughs> yeah. Why are you watching CrossFit highlights? Why are yeah. you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, watching three hours of Joe Rogan? <laughs> yeah, I was watching it a little bit today. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just CrossFit. The competition side is just not that interesting to me anymore. It almost makes me sad, which is a really weird thing to say, but, and it could totally be me projecting my experiences onto other people, but I've had this conversation with a couple of people now where like how, for me now, one of my priorities is absolutely my mental health and like staying in tune with myself and how I'm feeling and what I'm needing. And being an elite athlete, especially in the sport of CrossFit, you have to know very well how to tune yourself out, right? Like how to train when you don't want to, how to eat when you don't want to, how to, you know, sleep more hours than you spend with your family, like all of these things. And I like, I have yet to meet someone who's really in tune with their body's needs and their like, their innate self, who's also able to train and compete at that level. So I feel like now I see these people and I'm like, what are you giving up to be here? And that's kind of sad to me um because and i don't i don't know uh, maybe maybe they do have a really great balance that works for them but it's you know i'm in that space where i'm like i just don't i don't know that you can really do it all have it all be it all um and still be in tune with like what's going on inside of you yeah i think i wonder if that's why like people at the top Frazier he got out relatively quickly like he's still pretty young right is he mm -hmm. under 30 maybe early 30s I don't know I do know that his like you know statement whatever when he got out was like I've sacrificed so much to achieve what I have and like now I'm gonna go live my life <laughs> and it's like yeah that makes sense like go do you you have been probably miserable for the past you know 15 years or however long you've been training so like 
Yeah. And I would wonder like what comes up in that transition, like from training, competing, eat, live, breathe, CrossFit, weightlifting, whatever, to like being a normal human being. And for me and my job right now with college athletes, we do try to talk about like, Hey, at some point, like you might be a normal human being. So like, let's try to give you those skills to cook your own food, to, you know, learn how to grocery shop, to learn how to work out without a strength coach over you. Um, All of those things, because it is such like a loss of identity that I really wonder like what comes up for them in that transition and how they navigate that. Um, And I think, I don't know, Frazier's really the only like big one I can think of who really like walk like not walked away that sounds like it was like a bad ending but like decided that he wasn't going to pursue those things anymore well I think we'll get there with um with what you're doing now Mm -hmm. because I think it's going to be a lot different than the shift that you've um undergone the last couple months so I I'd love to kind of hear I mean, what's new? How uh, how has your mindset changed since the last time we did a podcast? I was looking back, and it was nine months ago, but it feels like it was a long time since we did that. So I I just love to, you know, hear mindset shifts, diet, all that stuff that you're super tuned into, and now I know that there's big changes going on. Yeah, it it feels like a lifetime ago, which blows my mind. I feel like a completely different person personally and professionally. Um, and I really should, I really wanted to listen to that before we came on here, but, um, yeah, I, I lived, eat and breathed those words for years and years. Um, and I really used to believe that the, the way to do it right was to track macros, to micromanage things. Um, for lack of a better explanation, right? Like, can we use your WHOOP data? Can we use your Fitbit data? Um, Can we look at your fiber and sodium and sugar and protein and carbs and fat? And can we micromanage all of these little things? And in, in that moment, it really truly did come from this well-meaning place of like, let's let's track these things to help you feel better achieve your goals and all of these things but i i almost look at it now as like a rebranding of diet culture um and i'm still what i feel in the midst of this huge transition and like is it possible to track macros and still believe in these things that i believe in now and i'm not sure um but now looking back it seems like I wasn't asking the right questions on the surface level. I was right. It was very much like, you know, eat to fuel your body and don't be scared of eating and all these things, but it was never really a question of why, right? Like for me and my personal experience, if you would have asked me like, yeah, I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to achieve a certain aesthetic or wanted to perform a certain way. And I had never really stopped to think about like, why did I feel like I needed to do those things? Um, And then what happened is I got to a place where I looked in the mirror and didn't recognize myself. And this was like less than six months ago. And it was like, 
why am I doing these things, right? Like, what is my motivation for tracking, for wearing my Fitbit, for working out three hours a day? Um, And really have this kind of like reconciliation with myself of like, wow, like I'm really deriving my self-worth from things like hitting my macros or being the person who, you know, wins the leaderboard every day in the gym or trains the hardest or, and like knows the most about nutrition and, and all of these things, um, really to kind of cover up the fact that I didn't feel like I was enough. And that was kind of like, once I figured that out, I was kind of like, whoa, and got rid of everything, like stopped tracking, stopped wearing the Fitbit. I started going to yoga instead of CrossFit. Um, I deleted my social medias, like all this stuff. Cause I was like, I have to figure out what's going on, especially if I'm the one like leading people through this. Um, and I think we really struggle collectively to ask ourselves that big why question, which is, you know, I used to really pride myself on working with elite level athletes and they're incredible human beings, right? Their drive is insane. Um, their discipline is incredible, but no one ever stops to ask them why, right? Like you have these incredible goals and aspirations and are such a hard worker. And why do you feel like you need to achieve those things, right? Like, is it because you really do have low self-worth on the inside? Um, is it because you're not sure who you are outside of this sport? And it's like, those are really, really hard questions and no one wants to ask or talk about it. We just want to say like, shut up and work harder because that's, that's cool. That's fun. That's like, I work the hardest. So, you know, I'm the toughest guy in the gym. And it's like, I just really wonder what's going on beneath that. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It feels like a lot. Um, it feels like a really, really big shift. Um, so where I'm headed now is into clinical mental health, because that is the, the underpinning, um, of everything nutrition. Um, I do this thing with my athletes when I'm talking where I point to my head and say, you know, what's going on up here. And I point to my mouth and say affects everything that goes in here. Um, because it does, it is such, such an interconnected decision-making process, um, that a lot of us are pretty disconnected from. So it's, and I can share a couple of stories if that helps kind of paint the picture. Um, and it's very abstract, which is difficult to communicate, but it's, it's a really incredible journey. And I'm really excited um, because I don't think a lot of people are talking about the really hard, icky stuff. We just want to paste the like, shut up and work harder sticker on it and move on so that we don't have to talk about it. So we don't have to address it. Um, so, yeah. What do you think? I mean, so you have that moment where you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize myself, but what were the things that led up to that? Was it just obsessive tracking? Like you mentioned, I mean, just working out too much, being almost too disciplined in a sense, but can you pinpoint things that you were doing that, maybe you wouldn't tell other people to do was there anything that like you you started to notice I would never tell my clients to do this but I'm doing it 
Well, that's the crazy thing is that it's exactly what I was telling people to do. That was the problem where like, yes, track your food. And then I'm like, wow, like tracking your food takes up a lot of mental space, right? Like it distracts you from whatever is going on in your brain, right? Like if you are in a conflict with someone else or you are having really negative self-talk, you can just absorb yourself into like micromanaging your macros to hit your numbers. And like, I think of it as like my Google drive tells me all the time that it's full. And I go in there and I look and you've got like the, the different colors for like the emails and the pictures and the documents. And when we look at that from this perspective, it's like, okay, so tracking takes up, tracking your food takes up 10% and, you know, being devoted to this competitor level CrossFit programming takes up 15% and tracking your metrics on your Fitbit, whoop, what have you takes up 10%. And now like 50% of your mental capacity. And I recognize that math is not 50%. We're just going with it. Right? My brain's that, scrambling. So it's, uh, I, it could have been 50%. It, good, whatever, good whatever number it was, it's bigger than it should be. Right. Is, is just taken up in the micromanagement of all of these little things to perform better. And it's like, okay, what are you missing when you clear out that mental space, right? Like it's really uncomfortable to sit with yourself. So by like tracking all these little things and managing all of these little things and even like all of the, the to-do list, the check boxes, right? For me, I'm telling my clients previously, right? Like, okay, let's manage your stress. Can we write a to-do list at the end of the day? Can we stretch for 20 minutes, um, all this stuff that's just like taking up time and time and time. And so you don't have any time to sit with yourself and feel like, feel your feelings and like feel any sort of discomfort that's coming up in your day-to-day life, whether it be you're disconnected from your spouse, um, or you're unhappy at work, we can just paste all of these things over it and never feel that discomfort. And I think that's what happened for me of like, I didn't like who I was and I was just pasting all of these things over it so that I never really had to feel that and could lose myself in being the athlete that my coaches liked the best in the gym, right? Because I was doing all these things. Um, So I think that's what kind of led up to it, which is why I had such like a professional reckoning of like, I'm telling my clients to do all these things that have actually created a really big problem in me. So like, who am I and what am I doing? So did you have a, it's funny, I'm hearing my own voice in your thing. I don't know why. Um, Okay. So like, did you have a CrossFit coach and you're working on competing? Like how did, or who did you talk to to say like, Hey, this isn't working. I know you're looking at in yourself in the mirror and like having a crisis moment, but is there anybody that you talk to? Cause you coach, you coach other people. So you're usually that person. And I go to you personally and like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is where I'm fucking up. Can you help me? And you usually do that. But did you have a person that you did that with? I went radio silent on everything and got myself a therapist 
and went to therapy two times a week for, I don't know, three months until he was like, okay, like we can decrease the frequency of this. Um, and because I wasn't sure I, I had had like a nutrition coach at the time and had communicated like, Hey, I'm going through some stuff and don't really know that this is the place for me right now. And like, and of course you know, people are people and business is business. And they're like, well, we have an intuitive eating track. And I was like, listen, I'm just, I, I gotta go. <laughs> like, I just gotta go. I gotta go inside. It was the first time that I had ever, you know, went inside of me to try to figure out what was happening versus outsourcing that to someone else. And I like, right. Like a therapist is trained in mental health. That's what they're there to do. So I don't feel like that was like an outsourcing versus like going to my coach and saying like, I'm training too much. I needed to decrease volume because like, sure. But that wasn't, that wasn't the problem. The problem was me using training as a way to escape the discomfort. I didn't want to feel in my body. Um, so it's, and that's kind of where I struggle with the CrossFit space now is like, there's, there's no one in a CrossFit space that's really qualified to have those conversations, you know, like your coach might think like, Hey, like you should see someone. No one was going to say that to me right on the outside. I was perfect. I was, you know, doing all the right things, training, overachieving all this stuff. Like no one was ever going to think like, maybe there's something wrong with her. Right. Um, so that's why I feel so passionate about this work is because we're not having these conversations and someone needs to, I wish, you know, someone would have come to me and been like, Hey, I noticed you're like, you know, training a lot and, you know, talking badly about yourself when you're not meeting your expectations. Like what's that about? you know, maybe that would have unraveled me a bit earlier, but, um, it's just not a mainstream dialogue yet. I guess you can just try to change everything. You can just keep changing your training volume and you're like, okay, maybe I'll take a week off counting my macros and you do all these little small things and it's like, all right, nothing's working. So what's actually the problem? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that those are the conversations I have now. Like, let, let me give you an example. Um, so there is a gym member who comes to me and says, you know, I'm still the dietitian. I still do nutrition. That's still my thing. Um, just do it a little bit differently and comes to me and says, Hey, like I'm having a really hard time hitting my protein goal for the day um, can you help me? And sure. Like, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what's going on. Um, and she says, yeah, I'm having a lot of trouble. It's a little bit easier now. I used to be plant-based before, and that was really hard then. And I'm kind of experimenting with including more animal products now. Like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, what made you make that decision? And she's like, well, uh, I just think it's the right thing. There's this, uh, let's not make this like a vegan versus non-vegan thing. Right. But there's a lot of like, well, I think it's the right thing to do. And, you know, I just remember all of the cows and I think about how sad that made me. And, um, you know, I think it's good for my health and all these things. 
Okay, so if you had to name a main motivation for that for that change, what would you say? She's like, well, first of all, I think it's health. Um, and then I just think about, you know, like the planet. And I know that I'm not going to save everyone from, you know, doom. And there's a lot of existential crisis. And, you know, I know that I'm not going to save everyone, um, but I think I can do my part. And I think it's just the right thing to do, right? There's this, this right thing we keep running into. Um, and then, you know, some other reason. So, okay. So you said health. Can you tell me a little bit more about what, what that means to you? And she says, well, there was, I've just, I've read a lot of stuff and I think like it's the right thing to do and it, it sounds healthy and, but I know there's research either way. Um, so, so what do you think? I'm like, well, can you tell me more about like the health measures you're looking at? Um, she's like, well, when I was little, my mom got cancer and we went to this doctor and she told her that she should go vegan and that would help. Um, so she gave her this book and so my family started cutting out animal products and I think that really helped. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, so what was that experience like for you? And she stops and she looks at me and there are the biggest tears in her eyes and she says, well, I also think I associate not being vegan with my mom having cancer. And it's like, man, you came to me because you were having trouble hitting your protein and come to find out you really have a lot of stuff going on inside, right? And so we can paste this macro nutrition thing over all of those problems and just say, well, I know I'm supposed to eat a lot of protein, so can you help me do that? And if, if I wasn't interested in having those conversations and would have just told her, right, like add more tempeh to your daily intake, right? Like she's going to go the next 20 years beating her head into the ground, trying to eat more protein and not addressing the things that are going on inside. And that's what breeds the most change when we can address those really deep rooted icky things and start developing a strong sense of like compassion for ourselves, then we stop chasing the perfectionism. We stop chasing all of the jumping diets every single month and all of the stuff that we do to paste over our discomfort. Um, and that's where that real long-term sustainable change lives. But we want to say that it lives in all of this stuff, like learning how to track macros or what have you, um, and it just, it doesn't. And that's that conversation is such a disservice um, to all of us who are struggling with something. So when we got off the phone on Tuesday, and my brain works a lot differently than yours. So I'm thinking, you know, that person who has some emotional issues tied to being vegan, that's something that takes a long time to diagnose and you know there there's really big issues there but like do you give up all discipline to feel good all the time you know how like if so you stop tracking macros do you be like okay i'm just gonna eat whatever i want like how do you balance you know being healthy versus doing things that you thought were healthy but actually aren't you know because there, there has to be like a line where hey you got to eat mostly 
whole foods and you mm-hmm. want to do stuff that makes you healthy walking outside exercising makes you healthy you can't just stop exercising altogether and be like well i don't like exercise anymore so i'm going to stop doing that you know mm-hmm. and that's that's why i'm super excited about where this is going because we do this thing in my current job we call it uh fueling and feeling, right? We kind of alternate between educational pieces of, okay, let's let's learn how to fuel a little bit, right? Let's talk about it. And it can be so simple, right? For me, for me, what we do now is protein, carbs, color. That's all you need to know. Most of your plates should look like that. They don't all have to look like that. Most of your snacks should look like that. They don't all have to look like that, right? If you follow those very simple guidelines, of the time, you're going to be a healthy human being. Like the end, pretty easy, pretty straightforward. We don't have to get into like the whole, and like, right, you can add little things in there, right? The carb, right? Can we aim for mostly whole grains? If you're going to have a piece of white bread, it's not the end of the world. Can we aim for mostly whole grains? And, you know, we do that small educational piece of like, okay, should I eat protein for your post-workout? We answer those questions, but we also alternate between that and like, okay, spring break is, is coming up, right? Like how, how are your habits changing and why are you having different cognitive dissociations that are telling you that you have to look a certain way in order to be worthy around a certain group of friends? And if so, like, can you start to hang out around other people or bring a different conversation to that group. Um, And so there, and it's really interesting too, because macros do give you an educational base, right? They teach you kind of what's in food, what makes you feel a certain way, what you should eat when. Um, But let me tell you, when I was tracking macros, I could never allow myself to just like eat a pancake and be done with it, right? Like, I'm like, oh my God, I have to add eggs and chicken sausage because I also have to have protein. And it's just like this, like, can you just enjoy the pancake and like be done with it? Um, and that's that mental capacity we're talking about of like that that stress of that moment of like, I have to micromanage all these little things or else my life is going to far, fall apart because there's other things that I won't address inside of me. Or like that's when we see that stuff start to come up. Um, so it isn't this like, you know, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and whatever quantities throw health and all of this to the wind. Um, it's like, let's, let's provide an education that isn't so restrictive and help you learn how to feel your feelings while you do it. Um, like for me, this was, this past holiday was the first holiday that I wasn't right. I've been doing this for years. I've been teaching people how to do this for years, but because I've allowed myself the freedom to do things like just eat a pancake or not freak out when I'm trying to like estimate what kind of bread is in something to log it. Right. Like this is the first holiday that I have like eaten a plate of Thanksgiving food and like been totally cool and like spent the rest of my time like connecting with people and having conversations and enjoying my time versus like being hyper-focused on the food aspect thing and so incredibly distracted. And it blew my mind because people had told me that before, but you don't, 
you know, I thought I had things under control. I thought like I was in a healthy space and it wasn't until this year and having that experience where like, wow, like if you just allow yourself that freedom and give yourself that permission on a regular basis, you don't feel so incredibly stressed out and restricted during these other times. So it's, you know, and it's not like I eat pancakes every single morning just for the heck of it. Right. Um, but sometimes I do, if that's what I want and that's totally okay. And guess what? Like my body composition really hasn't changed. My lifts really haven't changed. Nothing's really changed, which is so for me, right? Like reassuring because we have this fear of like, if we let go of these things, like tracking our food and micromanaging our training, if we lose that control, we have this fear that things will fall apart, that everyone will hate us, that will, you know, get fat, that our partners will leave us. We have all, and right. And then my job is to say like, okay, what's behind that? Why do you have that fear? Where is that rooted in? Is that rooted in like some childhood trauma you had? Is that rooted in some sort of like negative self-talk that's on loop in your head? Um, but giving up that control is terrifying for some people. And in the release of that control is the freedom. Glennon Doyle, have you heard of Glennon Doyle, Untamed? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend like, Dana read it. I, I read like 30 pages. It was, I don't know, it was a little bit too much for me, but. It's like the hit female book of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. Um, in that though, the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the things that stuck out to me that she says is control is the opposite of love, right? So if we are controlling and micromanaging intake, training, all of this stuff, that's not coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of fear. And so what's underneath that is the real question. Um, so, and that can be applied to, right? Like people who are terrified to listen to their bodies and not scale a workout, even when their body is begging them to scale a workout, to like bring it down for the day. Um, it's that if I lose control by quote unquote, like quote unquote scaling, is everyone going to think I'm a failure? Cause I think I'm a failure. So I can't let everybody else think I'm a failure. Right. It's, it's, it runs so deep and it's so fascinating. Um, and really sad at the same time. Yeah, the exercise science professor I had on a couple of weeks ago was saying that we've almost lost the ability to listen to our body. You wake up and you look at the WHOOP data, how much did I sleep last night? What's my recovery score? And even, so when I, I haven't had it for a couple of years now, but like, I would wake up after five by five squats or sets of 10 and be dead. I couldn't walk. And it's like, hey, you're 96% today. And I'm like, well, shit, like this workout, I got to go hard now because I'm 96%. And it's like, no, I felt terrible. And it's like, do the people who are still wearing that, do you notice that? Can you look at the the three-month data, the six-month data, the year data, and be like, okay, here's some trends. After, you know, after a rest day, I feel really good, or after a rest day, I feel really bad. Like, whatever the case may be, but 
we're so tuned into every single day and every single metric that we forget the big picture. We forget that health isn't isn't defined by a recovery score, how much REM sleep you got the night before. It's eating clean. It's um, you know, getting enough exercise but not too much. It's connecting with people. It's all those things. And that's a weekly, monthly, yearly thing, not your recovery score today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely agree that we've, you know, those things, what I, what they do is they really help us gaslight ourselves, right? You're like, I feel like shit. And you're like, nope, you're ready to go. And you're like, well, shit, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, about my own body. So then when I'm hungry, it's like, well, I, the whoops that I was recovered. So if I feel hungry, maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually not. And I'm just overeating and then, right. Like we get really, really good at being like, well, I don't trust myself. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I'm going to allow this external thing, these macro goals or this whoop feedback to determine what I do when your body's so incredibly smart. It's so smart. And we don't give it nearly enough credit. Like if you, this is something I'm dabbling in, right, is the intuitive eating side of things. Um, and I know there's a lot of research that when when you get really good at tuning in, your body can give you very clear signs of like what it's needing, right? Whether it's micronutrients like vitamin B, vitamin D, all those things, or like, like hey, I just need some carbs right now. <laughs> like, I'm not feeling great. I just need some carbs. And you're over here like, well, you need to also include protein and fat. And it's like, if my body is telling me that like right now I just need carbs, or even if it's like we demonize emotional eating, eating is a form of connection. It's a form of self-soothing and it can be that in a healthy way, right? Like when your nervous system is absolutely shot and like what sounds really good to you right now is like ice cream in a movie, right? Like that allowing yourself to have that is going to do more for your health overall from like a mental emotional standpoint than you being like, well, I can't eat those things and I'm just going to eat a protein bar and call it a night. Right. Like then your nervous system is still like on fire because it's not getting that like soothing listening that it's asking for, which is more detrimental to your health over the long term than the bowl of ice cream itself. Um, so it's, that ability to like connect and listen is so, is so valuable. Um, but we've completely outsourced that to all these things. And every person, myself included, who's, who I know who's used like a loop or a Fitbit or whatever gets like sleep anxiety because they're like, am I going to get the amount of sleep that I need to be recovered tomorrow to hit this workout that I really want to hit? And it's like, now you have a sleep anxiety because of this thing that was supposed to help you. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and I know that, I know that it helps some people and it really is useful. Um, it just, it's all situational. It all depends on the person. I think I'm still a little fucked up from that. Cause I'll, even on days where say I, I'm in bed for like seven hours and 50 minutes, I'm like, well, I'm going to be up for 20, 30 minutes during the night. So I'm only sleeping seven hours and 20 minutes and, you know, I'm not getting a full eight hours. So I think, yeah. And it's like chasing these metrics though is fun. It's like, I've been looking at the aura ring 
And I'm like, I don't need the aura ring to tell me how well I slept. But it's like the these things that they're like, we can tell you stuff about your body that you don't know. Why don't we know those things? Why can't we wake up and sit in bed for a minute and be like, how do I feel today? Immediately, people wake up, jump out of bed, go for the coffee, go for the donut, and go about their day super stressed instead of taking, you know, five minutes to say, hey, I'm going to sit here, stretch, I'm going to, you know, go through my to-do list, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to read the Daily Stoic. We're not doing any of those things. We're just like, caffeine, carbs, go, see how long we can go till the next cup of coffee, and like, that's the cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's no listening involved in, in that at all, right? Like, again, that self-trust piece, like if you wake up and spend a minute checking in with your body, with yourself, how am I feeling? If you don't trust yourself in that feedback, of course you want something external that tells you. So you don't have to learn how to trust yourself. And it's, it's crazy. Um, I had a train of thought and I completely lost it because it just Oh, gamification is what it's called. I read about it somewhere and it's like we turn it the way our brain works or we turn these things into a game. So you're constantly chasing like the score of the, the whoop score or the whatever, the whatever metric you want to achieve on. It's, it's like a video game. Basically, it's a different version of a video game where you're just trying to get the right score, beat the level, what have you, um, which is like, if you want to get into like the social dilemma consumerism part of things, like that's exactly what that is. Um, there's so many rabbit holes. <laughs> so if people are listening and they're like, shit, this is me. I don't trust myself. I don't know what my body feels. What's step one? How do you start developing trust with yourself? I'm seeing two kind of step ones. Um, my first answer is you sit you sit with yourself and that is uncomfortable and confronting. And when you do it in, you know, the right headspace with the right intentions, things come up, right? You have five minutes of, of quiet. And I, I don't necessarily call it meditation. Like I will literally just like sit on my couch and like stare into space. And it's not like meditation, meditation. It's, just allowing myself to arrive, to be there in the present moment with myself and things come up. It might be, for me, it was a lot of grief about my childhood, right? That was still impacting the way I was showing up today, which is the perfectionism, overachieving, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, right. And that stuff might not come up on the first day. It might come up on day 30, but it's like giving yourself that space to like sit and reflect and just be right this busy 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 culture we have that space to just be is terrifying but it is 100 necessary to start doing that deep in our work that really cultivates long-term change to live a satisfying life um and the other step one in that is talk to someone like therapy is so i had this experience with my dad the other day where he was like I found out you're in therapy. I hope I didn't do something. And it's like, it doesn't mean that something's wrong. It doesn't mean that 
you're broken. It doesn't mean that you need fixing. It just means that you're willing to look at yourself and you're willing to do work to have a better life, to have better relationships, to understand yourself better because you're the one who has to live with you every single day. And so it's, it's still so, so stigmatized, right? We see like the Veterans Day push-ups and like all this stuff for men's mental health. And then it's, it's still like, no one wants to admit that they are in therapy or that they feel like they should be. It took me years. I taught, I remember having a conversation in like 2016 where I was like, hmm, I should probably see someone. And here we are five years later. I'm like, fuck, well now I have to see someone. It's like, you can, you're going to make that choice at one point or another. You might as well make it earlier before you have to. Um, so those are, those are kind of the step ones. Um, and the step two, I would challenge people to get rid of the external validation, the tracking, the macros, the using the whoop score, the social media, right? Like who who are you and what do you care about when those things aren't available to you? Like, what do you have the, the capacity for when you're not absorbed in all of these little distracting things that we market as health? Yeah. It's fucking weird. The social media, like thinking about why you're posting like why am I actually going to post this? Am I doing it because it's going to piss people off? Am I doing it because people are going to think I'm cool because I hit a PR? Like what's the intention? And usually it's just, a, for me, it's usually a waste of time. It's like I'm trying to get people fired up or I'm trying to, you know, invoke something in other people when really I can't make anybody feel a certain way. If you disagree with me and you just don't like me, there's nothing that I can post that you're going to be like, oh, wow, that changed my opinion. I like you now. You're mm-hmm. going to just, you're going to continue. And people are, are just scrolling anyway. So it's like people are looking at my post for three seconds. No mm-hmm. one really cares. It's a, it's a weird place. But there there's also so much good on it too. I found so many people for the podcast on Instagram. So it's like, do I get off of it entirely and not be able to promote this, not be able to find new people? But I think, um, you know, tuning into your, how you're feeling mentally, are you feeling drained every time you're on social media? Are you feeling upset every time you're on social media? Some people might be like, I follow the right people and I feel really good when I'm on social media Mm -hmm. and that's awesome. But I have not found that place. Mm Mm-hmm. Or are you scrolling because you're avoiding something? I'm really great at that. If I'm scrolling, I'm like, hmm, you're probably avoiding something right now. Like, what are you avoiding? Um, and it's it's also complicated by being an entrepreneur, right? We both own our own businesses that run, were run primarily off of social media. Um, and so for me, that moment was like, well, my mental health is more important to me right now than finding new clients or promoting my brand or, or, or what have you. Right. And also a big confronting piece of that is like how much, how much of my personal value am I deriving from my business? Am I, you know, the expert on something and that is because I don't actually feel good about who I am. So if I project that I'm this expert who knows things, then like people will like me and I'll feel good about myself. So it's like, 
And it's really scary, especially if it's like your financial stability that's get, gets compromised. Luckily for me, I wasn't in a position where it was my main source of income. And most of my clients were people I had had known for a pretty long time. Um, but it, right. Like, and I don't know the answer to that, right. How, if that is your main source of income and is actually like something you're actively building and it's healthy for you to continue to do so. Like how, how do you manage that social media relationship then? Um, and it was funny for me, even in that, even in that transition, I filled my timeline with therapists and like intuitive healers and somatic experiencers and stuff like this. And then, you know, you still get that, like, well, am I doing, am I doing things right? Am I doing enough? Like it's, it's constantly that comparison trap, which is a miserable place to be. Were you still working out during this like couple month transition? I know you said that you were doing yoga. Did you like switch mm-hmm. full time to doing a couple yoga classes a week? I alternated. Um, and what I did was I just got really curious with myself around like, what do I need? And it's really funny there. I remember one day where I knew I needed to go to yoga. Like I knew that CrossFit was not in my capacity that day. Also what people need to recognize about CrossFit is that it, it ramps up your nervous system, right? So if you're already a stressed out human being, if you've got stressful stuff going on and you're going to CrossFit, like your nervous system is just absolutely on fire. And for me, that manifests as like this panic breath that I get where like all of a sudden I can't breathe and it's not because like the workout's really hard. It's because my nervous system is just like absolutely shot. And so there were days where I was like, my body cannot handle CrossFit right now. I do not need to go. I need to go to yoga. And I would gaslight myself and be like, well, then I'm going to, my body composition is going to change and it's going to be scary and like all these things. Right. And so I, I gaslighted myself one day, went to CrossFit and I pulled my back and was out for like two weeks. And I was like, okay, that was what we call a cosmic two by four, which is the universe, like smacking you across the face being like, bitch, listen. So it's, it's funny when you start to be able to like, listen and, and get those little hits from God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, you should, here's what you, here's what you really need right now. Um, so I was, I was doing a little CrossFit. I was weightlifting a little bit. I was going to yoga a little bit, just really listening to what my body needed and giving myself permission to do whatever that was. Yeah. It's funny. We've been kind of going through similar things as well. Like in the competitive, I mean, I think it's fair to say we both see ourselves as high performing individuals. Like you were doing CrossFit, I was doing weightlifting and there came a point where just going to the gym is exhausting. Like I wanted to do anything but snatch or clean and jerk. And that, I mean, that's the sport. So you can't just say I'm going to do weightlifting, but I'm not going to snatch or clean and jerk today. But yeah, I mean, just being objective with yourself and say like, I can go in today, but I'm probably going to get injured or I'm not going to be focused. I'm not going to have a good training session. The best thing I can do is do something else, like go to CrossFit or go to jujitsu and just figure out how to. And I, I've had the same experience where I thought I was going to be terrible at weightlifting if I only did it three, three times a week, that it wasn't going to be enough. And 
my my lifts are going to go down my technique's not going to be as good and i've almost found the opposite because i'm going in three days a week those three days a week i really want to be there and i'm present i'm focused on weightlifting and then the other days it's i'm not exhausted because i'm thinking about okay i gotta go do accessories or i gotta do a workout that i don't really want to do it's been it's been a cool transition but it's also hard to you know not perform at your best like have you struggled with that where you know a workout pops up that you would have crushed a couple years ago and you're like I just don't have it in me today my time might be four minutes slower than I've done this before Mm -hmm. and you know what's what I really love about that question is I was I was reflecting on this upcoming podcast a couple of days ago, I was actually in the gym, um, warming up to do some weightlifting and reflecting on this coming up. And for the first time, not the first time I've had this thought before, right. But for the first time in connection with you in this podcast and thinking about better than yesterday, I was like, shit, that just means better than I was yesterday. That doesn't mean like better than I was last year. That doesn't mean better than the other person. That just means I'm showing up better today than I was yesterday. And like, that's all that matters. And it is so incredibly difficult to humble yourself and be like, I got humbled by bar muscle ups the other week where like I used to string 10, 15, whatever. I was doing fucking singles and like I say this all the time when I'm talking about this, like this previous version of me, because I've kind of had like a 1.0 and a 2.0, but like there's a previous version of me that would have beat the shit out of myself mentally for that. Like, why can't you do that? Like you can do better. Like now you're not worth anything because you can't do these high skill CrossFit movements. And I was just like, oh, well, (laughs) okay. Like I'm in a different space now. And like, that's okay. And then there was another workout where it was written, prescribed as a 20 pound wall ball. And I was like, uh, yeah, I haven't used one of those in, in quite a long time. So I'm not going to do that. And what you get out of that experience is enjoying your workout and not beating yourself up because you're trying to compete with this version of you that was very different um, or someone else even, right? And you get to just be you and like, enjoy that moment and enjoy that workout. Um, but that's not, that's like months and months and months of drilling into my head. Like it's okay that you aren't lifting the same weights, doing the same stuff, whatever, like that doesn't make you less. And for me, it's because I look back and like recognize all the things I was missing, like mentally, emotionally, and like just wasn't happy And I don't ever want to be that out of touch with myself again. So to me, if I'm lifting less, not doing as many muscle ups, whatever, now I don't care because I am still happier. I'm still like a better human being. Um, So it's, it's so hard, but when you recognize what you're exchanging in those moments, it it makes it a little easier. Yeah. I read this book. I would like to go back and reread it actually but it's called it's great to suck at something mm-hmm. i think it's by karen rinaldi and she talked about surfing and she was like on her thing was surfing it was her jam she loved it and she said 
I'm always going to suck at surfing. I'm never going to be a professional surfer, but it's like that one thing that you have that she could be present in. Mm -hmm. She completely forgot about her work. She completely forgot about, you know, family stress, income, whatever. And I think we need that. Like you need that place. And a lot of us, we feel CrossFit or weightlifting or whatever as another thing that we have to add to our plate that I also want to be, I want to be good at my job. I want to be good at my relationships. And then I also want to be good at CrossFit. And it's like, you, you probably can't do it. Like one is going to just go downhill. So are you going to let that be CrossFit? Or are you going to let that be your relationship? Are you going to let that be your job? Like it's, it's kind of cool to just not be good at something, you know, like just yeah. go and be present and, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. never being great at it mm-hmm. i i've just noticed that like i've always wanted to be great at something and then i just fucking realized one day i'm probably not gonna be great at anything <laughs> and that's okay like i can be really good at stuff and i don't have to be great i don't have to play in the major leagues for people to love me i don't have to have the number one podcast i'll just be okay and like get better and then like you see where you end up and how much freedom does that give you to just like be when we stop chasing all of this stuff you get to just be and it's like wow like that's really cool and it's it's all about intention too where it's like for me I shifted my intention in the gym from like being the highest performer to connecting with people I would miss half the warm-up because I was talking to someone about something that they were really excited about. I'm like, I give two shits, like whatever. Then I'm just gonna go into this workout cold. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. But like having that intention of like, okay, I'm just here to have fun, or I'm just here to connect with people, or I'm just here to be. Get, like gives you just so much freedom to not put so much pressure on yourself and just blossom is what you see happen and it's so cool (laughs) have you found that you have to go in with that intention every day like have you caught yourself being like okay I see a workout or you know maybe it's with your diet where you're you're kind of beating yourself up a little bit have you had that where you had to talk yourself back and be like okay this is that that pattern showing up again not as much recently I think once you live in that space you're always going to kind of live with those those thoughts in your in the very back of your brain that like creep in from time to time um I don't know that there's really a way to like fully eradicate them um but like they come up less and less right like at first it's every time I don't do as well as I want to work out and then it becomes like once a week. And then it's like once every two weeks, because you just learn how to not care for lack of a better explanation. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I I'm such a big fan of CrossFit and I think it's more because that's what it's designed to be. It's not designed to be, you log your score every day and Wattify and you try to beat your buddy and you go seven days a week. Like the method, the methodology is very clear that you do you eat enough to support muscle but not body fat you exercise i think it's three days on one day off so 
that equates to five or six times a week, you can probably get away with less as well. But like the methodology is so much different than how it actually looks like in CrossFit gyms. You start Mm -hmm. getting competitive and then you have the open coming up and it's like, it's, it's always adding more instead Mm -hmm. of like, this is the thing that you do to take off, you know, off the stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was part of the conversation we had earlier this week of like, I don't know if I'll ever compete again because of that, because of all the pressure, because it turns it into something that's no longer just fun and allows you to be in the moment. It turns it into this whole like show of self-worth basically of like, look at me, I won. Now I'm worthy. And it's like, ah, (laughs) that's icky. Yeah. It's hard to go back. How have you, so you're working, um, with college athletes now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how do you have this mindset? And then, you know, you got to talk to those guys about, I mean, they're trying to win games. They're trying to perform at their best. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting, um, to say the least. And especially it depends what sport you're in. Um, like some of the sports are way more open to having those fueling and feeling conversations, but there are some sports where if you go in there and try to talk about feelings, they're just going to stare at you. Like you have 10 heads. And so it's kind of knowing your audience and like knowing who's into what. Um, but for me, I, I see such an opportunity with like freshmen or transfers who are just coming into the college sports setting. And when I, when I talk to them, I'm asking questions about their family. Oh my gosh, you would not believe the amount of family stuff that comes up in college sports because they're, you know, kids still ish and their parents want them to go play professionally. And there's, which every time I come across it, a college athlete who I recognize as having, you know, some mental health issues and I'm like, Hmm. What are their parents like? And turns out they're like ultra involved in micromanaging whatever is happening. Um, I'm like, Oh, one plus one equals two. Great. Um, but it's, it's really just knowing your audience and, and with those freshmen and transfers, I try to have conversations about like, what are you into outside of the sport? Who are you outside of whatever sport you're in? Right. And you know, someone's like, oh, I collect backpacks or, you know, I really like hiking. And I try to check in with them. Like, hey, have you gotten any cool new backpacks lately to like remind them that they, they're they a human outside of their sport, which really I am hoping helps soften the identity crisis that happens when you transition away from being a, a, a very competitive athlete. Um And that's, that challenge is why, so I came into, I'm also in graduate school. So I came into graduate school uh, doing nutrition and physical activity. And I, you know, was signing up for classes for metabolism and, you know, biochemistry three and all this stuff. And it just occurred to me that like, this doesn't matter to me, right? Like if you 
can't ask for the help that you need because you feel like that makes you vulnerable and you can't be vulnerable, then like me knowing whatever about the metabolism of carbohydrates does not help you in any way, shape or form, right? You coming to me and asking me about protein and me giving you some cookie cutter answer doesn't help you address the underlying problems of like why you're asking me about it. And so it was this kind of identification of the need that exists, especially in collegiate and professional sports for mental health intervention and me kind of seeing nutrition as the way to open those conversations, to, to get in that door. Um, so I switched into clinical mental health counseling because that to me allows me to make more change with these kids. Um, because I can, I can really understand them, what motivates them, what their obstacles are and, and ask the right questions because they're not going to come out and tell you like, I had a rough upbringing and now I feel really scared asking for help. And so now I have low energy availability and have lost my period for three years because I'm really hungry, but really struggling with my body image and can't ask for help. Right. So it's like being able to see kind of what's happening and asking the right questions to kind of probe that out of them. So it's, it's challenging and it doesn't always go the way I want it to go. Um, but they also have to be ready for it. If they're not in, in a place where they're ready for change, uh, then it's just not going to happen. There's nothing that anyone can really do about it. Where do the, like, where does performance tie into that? Because you're not going to get rid of people trying to be the best. You can't, you can't tell a college athlete, you know, I know that you want to play in the NBA, but it's probably not worth your mental health. It, like how, how does that, how do the two intersect? Yeah. And that's where like, I kind of have to admit, like I'm no longer a performance focused dietitian or human being, right? Like it, it matters. It does. Um, and but a lot of the times what happens is, especially in collegiate and professional sports, is we sacrifice mental health to win. Whether it's overtraining, whether it's no rest days, whether it's the pressure of the coach to get a specific surgery or do a certain thing. Um, and so my place in that is really advocating for the mental health side of things, for the human first approach of like, this person's going to be a human forever and may or may not be an athlete for the next four to 10 years. Um, And so while some of my job is like making sure that they're fueled to win, I'm always going to choose the protection of the student athletes well, or the professional athletes well-being over winning. Um, and that's something that a lot of coaches don't want to hear. And kind of like this, there's a lot of CrossFit athletes who don't want to hear anything different than shut up and work harder. But like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being the person who stands up for that because we need it. And there's nothing that will convince me that, you know, winning one game, one season, any of that is worth sacrificing all of this like forever mental health that like they may or may not ever get help for. So it's, 
it's an interesting place to be. Um, but that's why I like, you know, meeting with people one-on-one because it allows them to show up for that. And then once they trust me, it's like, okay, all, all you need to know about nutrition is like eat more and hydrate. That's really all I need to tell you as a student athlete is I need you to eat more. I need you to learn how to cook at home a little bit. And I need you to hydrate <laughs> like outside of that. And that's part of the reason I switched out of the program, the nutrition program too, is like, there's not much more I need to know about nutrition to really help people. I need to know how to understand them and communicate with them. So it's a, uh, the performance part doesn't come in um, as often as you would think. Yeah. And I mean, just working with you for the last nine months, I think we covered the hydration and eating more probably in the first month. And then we really don't talk about food much anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about that too. Like, why am I getting nutrition coaching? And for me, like, I know what to eat. I know what, I know when my body feels good. I, we got the hydration dialed in to where I'm supplementing with some electrolytes. Um, very pissed off that you make me buy element cause I've spent a lot of money on that now, but there's not like, I don't come to you because I need to learn any more about food. Like I come to you for the accountability, the, the checking in, even if I fucked everything up that week, but still, you know, having 20 minutes to sit down and be like, how was my performance? And what did I feel like after, um, after training or what could I have done a little bit differently? What am I proud of this week? You, you never think about that in the day to day. Like I was just kind of comparing my progress pictures. I might uh, post them on the podcast page, but like, I mean, you've never told me to eat less. We've never talked about losing weight unless it was to cut for a meat, which I didn't end up even doing. But like food's the last thing that you've really helped me with. And it's funny because like you hire somebody as a nutrition coach and then it's like, oh, there's so many different things that I can learn from you as well. That's what I also really appreciate about you as a client. Like one thing that I hope the people that work with me do is that they make that check-in sacred because that is such a time to check in with yourself. Like, right. Like you will send me paragraphs and some people are like, I get, you know, a word or two. And I'm like, you are not making the most of this. Like, I know there is so much going on inside of you. Um, and it's either you don't want to look at it or you don't, you don't want to make the time or what have you, but like making that time sacred to really check in with yourself and figure out like, how was my week? Like you said, how, how am I doing? Like, how are things going? And I'm sure you've experienced this. So much comes up and you're like, I didn't even know I was thinking or experiencing a lot of this, but this is something that's really interesting to look at or talk about. Um, and it is so often not nutrition is a gateway into the human experience. And that is how I will forever use it. It's for me, not about weight loss, not about any of those things. It's about helping you have a better human experience, whatever that looks like. And nutrition just happens to unlock the door to a lot of that because what goes on in our brain affects what goes on in our mouth. And so it's just a really, you know, really awesome experience to work with someone who does take the time to reflect and to open up about things and to 
explore things that aren't just like, how can I lose weight faster? Um, so it's really awesome to have you as a client. Yeah. And I always preach journaling too. Like that's sacred time for me as well. Like actually writing in your journal. And I've just started doing this recently. Like I used to just write like how training was, Oh, I snatched 90. I snatched 95 today. Feel good about that. Or I did whatever. And now it's like, what do I feel about a certain thing? Like something popped up and this made me feel a certain way. Like, let me get that down on paper. And I think, I think everyone can benefit from that. Like actually just write down how you feel about a certain thing. You got in a, a fight with your, with your spouse or significant other. How did that make you feel? Why do you think you said what you said? Like being reflective with yourself, I think is important. And again, it's like you make that time and stuff just comes up. Stuff you had no idea you were holding on to or that you were thinking or that you felt and you give I can't even tell you how many times I sit down to journal and just wind up like sobbing because I didn't know that I was carrying the weight of like some random thing. And it's like, oh shoot. And if you live your whole, for me, I'm like, if I live my whole life, never letting any of that out of my body, like, holy shit. Um, the body keeps the score is a really wonderful book. Um, and for me, I'm always like the past couple of days, I've been super stressed. And when I'm, I like carry my stress, my glute, and my hips. And so when I'm stressed, I like clench my glutes 24 seven. Lo and behold, I wake up today with an angry hamstring that like won't go away. And you can either be like, well, I didn't, I did, went to yoga yesterday. I did not do anything crazy. Right. And like performance CrossFit mind says like, oh, you didn't mobilize enough. You your squat form was wrong or all of these things, maybe you were just stressed and clenching your glutes all day long. And like, okay, what were you stressed about that you're holding on to? And, you know, I can't imagine the amount of just stuff that builds in people's bodies who don't give themselves the chance and the time to sit down and like, let that go, <laughs> let that shit go. <laughs> like, It's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so cool to see, I mean, how much you've changed just since the last time we did this. I The last time we did it, I, I didn't go back and listen to it either. I can't <laughs> go back and listen to shit anymore. But like, I feel like we did talk about the macros and we talked about performance and we talked about, you know, how do you optimize things? And it's like now none of that really matters. If you want that knowledge, sure. I'll give it to you, but I'm also going to make you tell me how you feel. <laughs> like, that is a non-negotiable at this point, and I promise you shit will come up. Um, and I've really been reflecting on, after we had talked earlier this week, and you're like, you just sound different. And I was kind of like, oh shit, that's really interesting. And one of the first things I noticed when I started this whole journey is that my voice did change. I got softer. And it's because you you take you take the armor off and you don't feel like you have to project and defend and do all of these things. And you can come from a place of curiosity because you're no longer trying to defend this fragile sense of self that you have. Um, and so I just thought that was so interesting that you picked up on that. Cause I was like, damn, I thought I was like 
it was just me. I just thought I was talking different. Um, so it was really crazy to hear that come from you and be like, wow. So it's, you know, it just goes to show like there's, there's so much we don't know about ourselves. Yeah. You got to look inward to find it. Mm-hmm. And that is scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you back on social media? Like where can people find you if they want to reach out? You know, I have been back and forth for quite some time um, and talked to my therapist about for quite some time about coming back on social. Um, And for me, I have to get really honest with myself about am I sharing my vulnerable experiences in search of someone's validation of my experience? Um, And I've done a lot of work and I'm thinking that this might be I haven't talked publicly about any of this at all. My Instagram has been radio silent outside of a few like lifestyle pictures of the stuff I've done. Um, and so this might be like the time where I feel centered and aligned and ready to kind of come back online um, with my experience. Brene Brown has this quote about like, you can't just share things that you are experiencing you kind of have to let and if someone knows this quote and can direct me like please for the love of god message me email me something because i can't find it um but it's something about like you have to let that pain and the lessons really sink in before you can share that wisdom because when you jump that gun you're still coming from a place of of pain and of hurt And so I think that I've spent enough time on this to really come from a place of like wholeness versus like someone please validate me. Um, So anyway, all that being said, this might be kind of like my entry back into that space because I do want to have these conversations with people. Um, So my Instagram is at mswags.rd. I go back and forth about whether I'm going to delete everything from before and just like start fresh. I entertain the idea of like starting a new Instagram, all this stuff. Um, but that's where I am for right now. And I'll update anyone if I decide any differently. Um, and my nutrition coaching business is called Hexus Nutrition, but everything runs out of my personal Instagram. Um, so catch me there. If I don't reply, sorry, I'm probably still off Instagram. <laughs> No, no, that's good though. I mean, you have to have that objectivity with yourself. Like, is this worth it right now? And you can always, I mean, it's not selfish to not message somebody back. It's not selfish to not answer your phone because you just need downtime. You can always call somebody back tomorrow. You can always message somebody back when you're ready, you know? Mm-hmm at all the entrepreneurs and people pleasers talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was awesome, dude. Um, I feel like we could definitely keep going. We'll, uh, I'll definitely have you back on in the future. We'll do a part. I'll have another midlife crisis. We'll do a part three. It'll be great. (laughs) Once again, thank you to Emily for coming on. If you want to give her a follow, her social is linked up in the show notes, as well as my Instagram page at better than yesterday pod. So if you like this one, share it out to your followers on your story. You can tag me, let me know. It seriously makes my day whenever someone shares the podcast. 
And it was super ironic and weird that when Emily and I were talking, getting ready a couple days before this episode, we were on the phone and somebody shared out the podcast from April of last year, just randomly, somebody who I didn't even know. So it was awesome to to just, you know, get that notification and understand that people are going back and listening to these episodes just really inspires me to keep going and keep doing this for you guys. So again, I always appreciate doing this. Hope you guys have an awesome Monday and I will talk to you soon.